0: Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Thanks for joining us tonight for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah. I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage. And tonight we have a special program for you. We're doing a Bible Q&A with Pastor Matt for the full hour. We've received several questions leading up to tonight's program, and we would also love to hear your questions from you. So, as usual, we have call screeners standing by, and we can be reached at 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt, last week we were having a conversation with Raul and talking about what it's like to come to church and visit our church. So what do you think that people should expect when they walk into Heritage Baptist Church?
1: Well we are a church that is committed to jesus christ and the great commission in an atmosphere of love that's what our vision statement is and mm-hmm. i believe that we we do live up to that yeah fairly well although mm-hmm. you know we we have failings but we our focus is jesus christ the word of god and fulfilling the Great Commission, I believe we have a great family atmosphere mm-hmm. in our church. Mm-hmm. I believe we're generally friendly. Yeah, I, I believe that we we seek to worship God with conservative music, mm. so they should not expect like contemporary, mm-hmm. a real strong, like a rockish kind of a of a of a worship service. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I believe we're we're somewhat casual, but you can, I mean, I preach in a suit and tie, but yeah. a lot of our people will just come with open collared shirts. Mm-hmm. We do, we do expect modesty yeah. in people's dress, but, but people come, you know, generally, generally normal. Yeah. You know I mean, you could just normal. Um, we have great Sunday school classes for uh-huh. the children yeah. and children's classes. And we have a great adult Bible fellowship classes for mm-hmm. the, for the adults. So um, we 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 are not a charismatic church, so right. I do believe in cessationism mm-hmm. that tongues ceased, so they should not expect you know charismatic a type of or, or worship service with mm-hmm. tongue speakings, things like that. And we do use the King James Bible in yeah. our worship service, mm-hmm. but we're not King James only mm-hmm. in that we don't believe that the King James Version is the only preserved word for the English language or that the words of the King James are inspired in the same sense that the original language words of the hebrew the greek and aramaic of the original languages were breathed out by god no translator is inspired mm-hmm. in the in the same sense that the biblical authors were inspired mm-hmm. but anyway we love i love the king james and yeah. i've preached out of it so those are some mm-hmm. of the things what do you think
0: yeah um yeah no i agree i just think back seven years ago to when i walked in and i think that all those things are correct um i think you know i i grew up in colorado and we had more bible churches we called the bible churches that were basically along the same lines as what we have here yeah an independent fundamental baptist i just didn't even necessarily know what the denomination was but it was it's very much like the church i grew up in exactly as you just described
1: yeah uh, astor did you want to add to so
2: this yeah so pastor um one of my colleagues came to visit and one striking thing he said and he's a non-christian he said everyone is so nice here. Is this for real? And I said, yes, they're for real. They, 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 they love, they, people came up to him and said hi to him. and So he was very impressed with that. And he still, like, when I, when, I, when I, we meet, he still reminds me of that.
1: Yeah, and we don't want our visitors to be afraid that you're going to be mauled with people. You know, so, but either, because it's <laughs> not just like me, that. Me and <laughs> Matt. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, But we just, we will greet you, and we, we will rejoice if you would visit with us, dear friends, so if you're looking for a church, don't be afraid to visit our church. We would warmly welcome you. At at least that would be our strong desire and intention. So come on out to Heritage Baptist Church at 10 a.m. We have, like I said, a great Sunday school, adult Bible fellowship hour at 10 a.m., 11 a.m. is our service. And we meet on Sunday at 490 Hudson Street. That's right in the heart of Greenwich Village. And then on Wednesday, we meet near Grand Central Station at 633 3rd Avenue for our Wednesday prayer meeting at 715. We also have a Bible study on Monday night, which mm-hmm. is our Heritage Discipleship Institute. And if somebody's interested in doing a more serious Bible study, come on out. Yeah. Check us out on, on Monday. So we're going to do this Q&A tonight, mm-hmm. and we're going to start with a scripture to, for you to read. Yeah. Is that true, Micah? And yes. why don't you read that in Acts chapter 17, verse 10-11. Then I'll, I'll do a prayer. And, and Dr. Hahn, it's great to have you with us Welcome to talk to answer some questions ask some questions so here we are tonight A. a let's go
0: yep acts chapter 17 verses 10 and 11 and the brethren immediately sent away paul and silas by night unto berea who coming thither went into the synagogue of the jews these were more noble than those in thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so
1: yes lord I think of these Pharisees and other conflicting religious groups when they came to you and you answered their questions so well. They were afraid to ask you any more questions, Lord. Mm -hmm. It says, neither durst they any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. And, Lord, that's because you didn't give the answers they were looking for or you made them uh, foolish by their... uh, you made them look foolish by their, their questions, but that's not our intention here tonight, Lord. We are seeking to do our best to answer sincere questions that people have, and we pray that they would ask those questions and even call in and and that we would bring them to the truth of your word. And so give us wisdom here tonight, Lord, and thank you for your infinite wisdom to always answer every question um, and that if somebody had a wrong intention in asking that question, you were able to expose their their hypocrisy, Lord. So we thank you, God, for your amazing wisdom. And give us your wisdom as we seek to answer questions tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. All right. So um, who wants to be first and ask a question? <laughs>
2: Okay, Pastor, I want to go first. Okay. (laughs) Um, So I was actually sitting next to Sister Barani. She uh, is a regular uh, attender right now. And so what her question was, and she even remembered it when I reminded her today, is what scriptures detail what heaven is like?
1: You know, this is a really great question. Mm -hmm. Because when we think about heaven, Mm -hmm. we might, I mean, it's such a spectacular place. Mm -hmm. And we long for it you would think there would just be chapter after chapter of what it's really like. Mm -hmm. And then we might think, well, after reading the whole Bible, what what is heaven fully like? But Mm -hmm. I would answer this question, Barani, by saying that the book of Revelation overall, Mm -hmm. I believe, has the best answer to your question, what scriptures detail what heaven is like. Mm -hmm. So I would start especially in Revelation chapter 4, And then chapter 5 and 7, and they all reference the throne of God. Mm -hmm. And chapter 4, I call the throne chapter in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So that's like the heart of heaven, the throne. So Revelation 4, chapter 5, they're worshiping around the throne. Mm -hmm. And then 7, it talks about how... The, the people who have been saved and martyred are in heaven are being led by the Savior mm. in heaven to to the waters of life. And then, of course, Revelation chapter 21 and 22 describe this dazzling spectrum of crystal clear colors with gold all cast into all the beauty of all of that, that the, the, the splendor of all those colors. And it's all lit up with the glory of God. The light of Jesus Christ fills heaven. And so Revelation 21 and 22 do, do talk to us a lot about, mm. about heaven.
0: Yeah, awesome. I um uh spoke at two funerals last year and you know the the place that I went is revelation because you know people they may not on their in their daily life think so much about heaven but when somebody dies you really do mm. start thinking about it and thankfully both of the these people were christians and so i was particularly drawn to revelation 5 that talks about you know the throne room as you're saying pastor where there's the living creatures there's the elders with their crowns there's the thousands and thousands of angels and then the multitude of saints those believers in jesus christ who have come around the throne and what i'm so encouraged by is the fact that you know our loved one that we lost is now one of those saints up in heaven who's going to be Amen. you know maybe maybe in that exact moment or maybe at another time they're going to be singing among the angels to the lord and so i think that's a great uh, answer, Pastor, Revelation 4, you said, 5, chapter 7, and then the last two chapters, 20, 21 and 22. Yeah. Esther, did you want to add to that?
2: Yeah. So I was kind of curious as well. So 21 is probably my favorite um, description of heaven. But mm-hmm. then as I was uh, looking it up a little bit more, um, Isaiah 65 actually is almost uh, a prophecy of what they say in in Revelation 21 so 16 and 17 of Isaiah 65 says for behold I create new heavens and a new earth and the former shall not be remembered nor shall come into mind but ye but be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create for behold I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy yeah. So I was just like wow it it it's a prophecy of Revelation
1: <laughs> yes yes okay. and you know let me just just for a moment just for Barani, when you read revelation twenty one and twenty two though when you read about this city and it has space, it has mass filled with god 's glory it has gates, walls, foundations, it has rivers, it has fruit, it has feasting there 's the marriage supper of the lamb actually that 's in chapter nineteen
3: mm-hmm. it has
1: multitudes and multitudes of people that 's revelation seven mm-hmm. it has all the nations, all the c- cultures all the languages, so there's mm-hmm. going to be all of this in heaven, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to be, we're going to be before the throne of God, there's going to be rejoicing, singing, and so I believe all this is going to fill heaven, mm-hmm. and so, and the Lord said he was going to prepare a place for us, so we could expect that place to have walls, foundations, gates, you know, I mean, all the building materials where, that that are centered in Jerusalem, but throughout heaven, I mean, mm-hmm. th- there's building materials, yeah, so... Look at all the buildings. Look at the beautiful buildings man can build here. Just Mm -hmm. imagine the buildings that are going to be in heaven. And then just lastly, there's also a lot of verses, like random verses. For example, Jesus said in in heaven there there will not be... Mar- people will not be marrying or given in marriage. Uh-huh. So that told us something about heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, in, in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost things, he says there's joy in heaven over one soul that repents. Mm. So there's going to yeah. be joy. Yeah. You know, I mean, extreme mm-hmm. joy, fullness mm-hmm. of joy yes. yeah. in heaven. So there are, uh, uh, there are little messages about heaven, yeah. even as you referenced the Isaiah passage, mm-hmm. Dr. Hahn, throughout the Bible. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Good. So beautiful. Okay, so let's um, go the opposite direction now for a question from Tito. So the Bible teaches degrees of punishment in Luke twelve forty seven, Mark six eleven, Matthew eleven, twenty two. Yet preachers say that unbelievers will spend will spend eternity in eternal hellfire. So Tito asks How could there be degrees of punishment in hellfire? And how do you think God will handle degrees of punishment? And I'll just read one of the verses he mentioned, Mark 6, verse 11. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city.
1: Yeah, and... I love Tito. Don't we love brother Tito mm-hmm. and he's such a great student of the Bible mm-hmm. that he asks questions that I can't answer fully, you know? I mean <laughs> <laughs> because really they would require some speculation.
3: Yeah.
1: And so and speculation is just our speculation and it, it's right. a, it's an opinion. But I would just say this uh to answer Tito's question, mm-hmm. first of all that because there are degrees of punishment mm-hmm. and there are. Yeah. And although we might not be able to exactly answer mm-hmm. how that degree of punishment can work out mm-hmm. when there's such a thing as hellfire. So mm-hmm. I think what he really wants to know, if there's hellfire, right. how can there be degrees of, of fire? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it seems like fire is in one degree. Right. I mean, yeah. um, so, but that, that seeming difficulty in our mind does not mean that hell is not a literal place mm-hmm. or even that the fire is not literal mm-hmm. in hell. Mm-hmm. Hell is a literal place of everlasting punishment upon the wicked who do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hell is consistent with God's character because not only is he loved, but he's just and holy. And God loves his holiness and will not allow sin into heaven. So this matter of degrees of punishment. So Jesus expressed it in a few different ways. First of all, in, in, the, in what I call the many-stripe verses. <laughs> mm. So if you could get Luke chapter 12, okay. verse 47 and 48, Mike, if you could read that. And if anyone else wants to give us a call and call in with a question, you may certainly do that at 929-333-3739. Or if you just want to get some prayer, my wife is here tonight, along with a wonderful Christian sister in our church. Angelica, If you'd like to pray with either Debbie or Angelica, give us a call right now at 929-333-3739.
0: So you have these many stripe verses. Could you read that, please? Yeah, sure. Luke 12, 47 and 48. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of whom shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask much more.
1: Okay, so there's these many stripes and few stripes, punishment based on the knowledge, more punishment given to those who had greater knowledge. Mm -hmm. Dr. Han, could you get the verse, and why don't we read, also, the one of the more tolerable. Well, I guess we read that in, in Mark six. So there are these more tolerable verses that are in Matthew ten, verse fourteen and fifteen, and also twice in Matthew, Matthew eleven, twenty two to twenty four, as well as Mark chapter six, verse eleven. But let's also read Mark chapter twelve. Doctor Han, could you get Mark chapter twelve, verse forty, and maybe read that? And while you're turning there, I'll just say this about like degrees of punishment: that the concept of punishment. And greater punishment is common in, in our jurisprudence system. Mm-hmm. I mean, mass murderers get greater punishment than thieves. But that doesn't re- negate the reality of just judgment. And so we do believe that God is just. The judge of all the earth will do right. And so some will get many stripes, some fewer. And even judgment will be more tolerable for some than for others. And Dr. Hahn, that verse in Mark 12, verse 40...
2: Mark 12, verse 40 says, "...which devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These, sh- these shall receive greater damnation."
1: Okay, so greater damnation. Mm. Right. So it's expressed in that sense of greater damnation. And and, and uh, Brother Tito, I can't fully answer, and I did look at a few commentaries, and no one even tried to answer, but everyone was convinced, as I am, that there are degrees of punishment. How that exactly works out it's, it's really just only speculation. But I, I will say this, and I think you have an answer as well, Micah, that when you turn your oven on, there are degrees of heat in your mm-hmm. oven, yeah. even though it's <laughs> flamed by fire. Yeah. So if we could figure that out, yeah. God is able to figure out degrees of punishment in a way that is consistent with his justice. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, I was just going to say that you know one of the great works of literature covers exactly this topic. It's Dante's Divine Comedy. It's often referred to as Dante's Inferno, which is an epic poem where the author describes nine circles of hell, each with a greater level of punishment than the one before. It is fictional, um, but it surely indicates this mystery that humans are interested, you know, humans with some biblical knowledge, they're interested in these degrees of punishment. Um, And interestingly, in the poem, the final level of hell is actually frozen ice. Oh, and wow. so the people at the lowest level of hell are actually frozen in ice for eternity. So wow. it is it is completely speculation. I um, agree with you, Pastor, that you know we can only speculate as to the degrees of hell. But I do think that the Bible is clear, as Tito pointed out, and as you pointed out, that there are degrees of punishment similar to our system here on earth.
1: Yeah, and, and I will just say this also, just kind of like on the other uh, the way of thinking, there's degrees of punishment. In hell but there's also going to be degrees of reward in heaven Mm -hmm. and so there's going to be crowns and probably some will get fewer and others will get greater and there's going to be almost a a different capacity for the fullness of joy in heaven Mm -hmm. those who were more dedicated and more surrendered and more full of the Spirit and obedient to God and made greater sacrifices here on earth will get greater crowns for the Lord Uh, before him, and I believe, and I can't fully understand this, Mm. but somebody described it as like a a different size container, Mm. you know, like a, a gallon container could be full and a and a cup could be full. The mm. cup is smaller than the gallon, but they're both full. Mm. So in heaven, everybody will be full. But the mm. the 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 size of that fullness, I believe there will be difference. You know, mm. so and and so I think we are challenged to uh, love and live for the Lord with all
0: our hearts. Yeah, and Pastor, we do have a caller. Yeah, um, let's go to Freddie on line one. Freddie, are you there? You're live with us on Heritage of Faith conversations. Yes, I am here. Good to uh, hear from you. My question, my question is. When you read First and Second Samuel and, and Kings, the, I mean, King David was a warrior. I, I wonder how, how it is God said King David was a man of his own heart.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay, I, and I, I believe I have the, a good answer to that because I also wondered, you know, how could David be called a man after God's own heart when, you know, he committed adultery and, and murder and things like that? And you know what it really gets down to, I believe, Freddie. It gets down to worship. Saul sinned most greatly in the issue of sacrifice. Hmm. He offered sacrifices himself mm-hmm. as, as a priest. Mm-hmm. And if you read the book of Deuteronomy and just look at how many times it says in the book of Deut- Deuteronomy, when you go into that land of promise, you're going to find a place where my name will be established. Hmm. And, and so, uh, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 26, I think this is one of the verses, he says, you shall go to the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. So Saul was the first king of Israel and made no attempt to find that place to establish the worship of God and to exalt the name of God. When you look at David, the first thing he did and what was in his heart was always to establish that place. And it was David who established Jerusalem as the city where the name of God would be exalted and lifted up for the world to see so that he would be glorified. So in spite of David's sins... David sought that place, which was God's heart. Mm -hmm. God's heart was that place be found in Jerusalem when they got into the, or wherever in the land. They Mm. didn't, God never told them where in the land. Mm. So it's very interesting. But David sought and found that place Mm. that was in God's heart. And that's why he's a man after God's heart because of worship. So Freddie, all of us have sinned. All of us have done things very shameful. But worship God in spirit and truth. Worship God in the name of Jesus Christ. Worship God one way and not the, the 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 many different ways that that Saul or you know setting up altars all over the land. You know, there's one place of worship, one way of worship, one way to get to God through Jesus Christ.
2: Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks, hey, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Fred. Thanks.
1: That's a great. That's a really good question, yes. and yeah. that's my answer for that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Pastor, we have young people at our church who really love the Bible and really ask deep questions. So this is one of our elementary school um uh young girls and her name is Inotando and she asks you, um, why did God create Satan if he is all knowing? It's a very deep question.
1: This is an awesome question, Eno. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna start with a with a word and I, th- I think I'm going to teach you a word, maybe you know this word, but it's called theodicy. Mm-hmm. T-H-E-O-D-I-C-Y. Theodicy is a compound word, God uh-huh. and justice mm-hmm. or judgment. So this great question gets to this problem of evil known as theodicy. Mm-hmm. And theodicy is... Defending God's justice or His righteousness while there's evil in the world, because it gets to this question: How could an all-loving, all-powerful God, if He's all-loving and all-powerful, why does He allow evil? Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound right. Yeah. Yes. But theodicy is defending the justice and goodness of God, even though there's evil in the world. Now, and I'm gonna now let me boil it all the way down. I, to me, this this boils it down. There's there's a lot that could be said about this, and volumes of books have been yes. written about it. But this boils it down. Did God do right in creating anything, man or angel, with a free will? Mm. Did God do right? Was that right of God? Mm-hmm. In other words, in Genesis chapter 1, what does it say at the end of Genesis 1? God created everything, and it was all what? Good. Good. It was good. God created man, Mm -hmm. and angels had been created. Mm -hmm. They were created with a will. Mm -hmm. So, is free will in God's creation necessary for a good creation? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, as long as you have free will, Mm -hmm. you have the possibility of what? Of, of sin and evil rebellion against God, yeah. so that 's really what it gets down to, so that I believe is the best answer to that question as mm-hmm. i as I tried to figure this out mm-hmm. is should God have created angels and man with free will? I say yes, because if he didn 't we wouldn 't be here as we are
3: yeah.
1: we wouldn 't have freedom to think yeah. you know without free will you, you wouldn 't have the freedom to think yeah you wouldn 't have the freedom to to do what you know to create to mm-hmm. to discover to enjoy life to to, to to yeah to to love right so i do believe and god himself says yes he was right and it was necessary to create a good creation with free will and then the, the second part of this argument really is yeah there what there has rebellion and sin entered into this world so how does god answer that he came into the midst of it yes. he didn't he didn't deny it he didn't he didn't turn away from it. Mm-hmm. He reconciled himself to it. And he came to earth and then could only live on the earth that he created for 33 years before he was unjustly
3: mm-hmm. murdered. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but in that murder led to his glory and our salvation and mm-hmm. redemption. Mm-hmm. So the point is is that God does answer the problem of evil by entering the world of evil and then ultimately crushing Pushing
2: it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Got excited that. there. <laughs>
1: crushing it by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we must say that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. So I, do, I hope that, that helps a little bit, You Eno. Know. Yeah.
0: I think that's a it's a great uh, answer, Pastor. And that's the same conclusion that, you know, when I was looking at this question um, ahead of time. There is a South African reporter, uh, award winning. She's won many awards. She's served in war zones. Her name is Lara Logan, and I really respect her. And she. You know what? What? She liked one of my tweets. Mm-hmm. Lara Logan
1: did. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. And nobody likes my tweets. I get like, I get, I mean, because I'm really not, I don't do tweet very often, yeah. but I get Anna Londoño, if you're listening, she might like one, <laughs> but, but but really like, nobody but, but I like did. Lara Logan. Wow. Wow. I, go, yeah.
0: I mean, she, to me, she, to me is fantastic. And she, you know, kind of culturally was a Christian. She said she was a Christian, but she, as she was serving in these war zones where terrible, yeah. terrible things were happening. Yeah. She said that she was actually angry at God Mm -hmm. and she was angry at God until she finally came to the conclusion that human will free will was an absolute principle so that means if I have the free will to make a decision my decision might negatively affect you like if if my decision is to strap a bomb to my body and to walk into a crowded marketplace and blow myself up Mm -hmm. it's gonna have negative consequences on all the people around me but the principle of free will it's absolute so it means if, if I have free will, then it could negatively affect people, and then there's bad things that happen. And so God said, yes, I have to give humanity the choice whether or not to follow me, whether or not to love me, but within that choice, they can also do bad things.
1: Yeah, and just think, without free will, there's no reason for a Bible, <laughs> you know, because there would be no sin, yeah. and there would be no need for redemption, and then, like you said, there, we couldn't even love. We mm-hmm. couldn't even choose to love. Mm-hmm. So the great commandment in the Bible would be useless to love the lord our god with all yeah. our heart soul mind, yeah. mind and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves so yeah. so this
0: is this is essential
1: yeah. uh in in cre- in god creating you yeah. know
0: um, there was a. I was on Zoom the other night. I'll just add this one last thing. Um, and somebody was joking that you know they were trying to get on Zoom and I guess they asked, "Are you a robot?" And you had to like you know click on the boxes oh, or yeah, do yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, no, we're not robots. We have free will. I just thought that was a funny illustration. <laughs> yeah, um, Pastor, true. we do have another question. It's our good friend Jamie on line one. Let me see if I can click him in here. Uh, here we go. Okay, Jamie, you are with us live on the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. Good to hear from you.
3: Okay.
2: Okay, keep your finger off that button. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, I I got um, two points. One is that God gave us free will, right? And Satan, he messed up one time, and that was it for him. He was done. Mm -hmm. And we mess up all the time, and we're forgiven. I Mm -hmm. think that's a valid point. Point one. Mm -hmm. And point two is, I was asked once, why doesn't God make us love him? And Mm -hmm. I said, that's not love. You know, mm-hmm. if you make someone
1: love you, that's not love. Mm-hmm. Right. God didn't make robots. He made man. <laughs> and yeah. he made man. And in making man, he gives man a command, commands. He did from the very beginning. You shall not eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I mean, so God gives man commands, and then man has a will to either obey or to disobey. And man chose that, that, that disobedience. Um, you know, and that, that really, you do was, bring up an interesting question about.
2: In that, that
1: <laughs> you bring up an interesting question about Satan that, you know, he did not have an opportunity for, for redemption. Mm. And that's yeah. true, that angels do not have any opportunity for redemption. God does not choose to, when angels rebel against him mm. to redeem them but he does man. And so right. that should humble us even more yeah. yes. to turn to the Lord mm-hmm. and to think that angels can't, don't have that second chance, but he does right. give man that second chance yeah. in love and grace. So take it, dear friends, if you're not sure, sure you're saved or if you're not born again or if you're living in rebellion against God. Take the, the opportunity of a second chance and turn to Jesus and... Ask the Lord to save you and redeem you and forgive you and give you eternal life through His Son.
0: Amen. Jamie, thanks Amen. so much for the call.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jamie, yep. as always.
0: Okay, Pastor, I have a question. Okay, so a few days ago we had Ash Wednesday. Some observe it. There were people walking all over our city with ash crosses on their foreheads. Um, and I wondered, you know, why don't we as Baptists observe Lent? Okay, Is this my opportunity
1: to make friends or enemies? (laughs) So why don't we observe Lent? Okay, so Lent is a ritual observed actually by various branches of Christianity. I mean, I went online and looked a little. There's some Baptist churches that that do Lent and Mm. things, which I don't believe is is proper. Mm. But it's been popularized most notably by the Roman Catholic Church. So Lent begins on Ash Wednesday and extends for 40 days. And so during this time, the Catholic is to practice... Voluntary self denial, fasting, and alms giving. And so, Mm -hmm. first of all, you know what I would have liked to do on Ash Wednesday, going up to everybody, say, with ashes on their forehead, are you fasting today? Mm. (laughs) Are you going to be fasting during this next forty days? Are you just getting that, you know, just for for show? But nevertheless, making friends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, the Catholic Catechism states the biblical reason for keeping Lent is because it unites the Church to the mystery of Jesus in the desert during His. D- during his trial that led to his temptation mm-hmm. for 40 days. Yeah. So that's why they say it's that 40 days. But there's a number of reasons. I'm going to give three, and I'll try to summarize them quickly.
3: Okay.
1: Three reasons why we should not observe Lent. One, the Roman Catholics essentially keep Lent to gain the forgiveness of sins. Because basically Romanism, Roman Catholicism teaches that we're, we're, we must a, a person must continually good works in order to work for their salvation. Mm-hmm. That's what Catholic, that's what they, they, they believe. Right. And so Lent is a part of them working for, for their salvation to contribute for the forgiveness of sins. So that is wrong. That's why we should not keep Lent because many people keep Lent in order to gain the forgiveness of sins or to work for their salvation. And it's clear that Jesus Christ is completely sufficient to save us from our sins, apart from a single work that we do. And Paul preached that by Him, all that believe are justified from all things, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So I love that. So mm-hmm. That by Jesus Christ, He forgives us of everything. We don't right. have to work. We do not work for our salvation. Amen. Jesus did the work. Amen. Did you, did you want That's to make a comment? One. That's, That's one. Um, so okay. I'm, is that no, okay? Yeah. Good. yeah, yeah. No. I'm okay. Keeping track. of okay. Okay, okay, number, number two. Number <laughs> The New Testament never tells us to observe Lent. Yeah. There's no command, there's no examples of ashes being rubbed on anyone's forehead. Jesus didn't teach us to do this. Jesus didn't go into the wilderness for 40 days and say, okay now guys, I want you to practice uh, fasting mm-hmm. for Very 40 true. days or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, that was. There's no command, there's no teaching, there's no example of the early church doing this in the book of Acts. There's no teaching about this in the epistles. There's nothing. We abide in Jesus by his By his word abiding in us not by keep not by doing Lent for forty days mm-hmm. and the third thing is really various aspects of Lent have connections to ancient pagan mystery religions, mm. so I really believe this is this is my understanding yeah is that Lent infiltrated the established church through paganism mm-hmm. because it was actually a part of ancient pagan practices going all the way back to Babylon so For instance, Lent is preceded by a a festival of Mardi Gras. Now, what's Christian about Mardi
0: Gras? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Okay, it
1: is really a a festival of decadence Mm -hmm. where people just go hog wild. Okay, yeah, just do all these wicked, immoral sins, and then for 40 days be a good boy or girl. Mm -hmm. You know that's ridiculous. That is that's out of paganism. Mm -hmm. The second thing is the second thing about this uh, connection to paganism. We'll go go to a verse here in Ezekiel. Could you read Ezekiel chapter eight? Micah and verse 14. If you could read that verse and while you're turning there, I want to quote Alexander Hislop
3: okay.
1: in a very amazing book called Two Babylons. And the and the research he does about all forms of ancient pagan practices is really deep hmm. and it's difficult to understand some of it, but I I have read it and I'm actually rereading it again, but Hislop writes, quote, "The 40 days abstinence of Lent" was directly borrowed from the worshipers of the Babylonian goddess. Hmm. And this is in Ezekiel chapter 14, Mm -hmm. and
0: I'm sorry, chapter Chapter 8,
1: chapter 8 and verse 14. If, If you could read that verse.
0: Yeah. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north, and behold... There sat women weeping for Tammuz.
1: Now, and Tammuz is another name in that culture for Nimrod. And it goes back to Babylon when Nimrod died. Tammuz died. There was weeping. And throughout ancient cultures, there are images of a woman with a child. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Christianity took these pagan images of woman with child and made the woman who?
3: Mary, Mary mm-hmm.
1: and the child Jesus. Mm-hmm. But in ancient pagan Babylon, in ancient pagan Rome, they had in Egypt, Egypt and, and mm-hmm. all of these different cultures, they had woman with child. Mm-hmm. And it was the the woman was the queen of heaven. Yeah. Jeremiah chapter seven talks about the queen of that that the queen the worship of the queen of heaven was infiltrating the temple of mm-hmm. Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And here the weeping of Tammuz. So and what's also interesting about this and it says, again in that verse, an uh, uh, image of jealousy. No, it says, it's. oh, no, it's, it talks about the door of the gate. Mm-hmm. He brought me to the door of the gate. Okay, so look at verse 3. We don't have to read that whole verse. It's a long verse. But it's it's talking about the same door and on the door of the inner gate in Ezekiel chapter 8 verse 3 it says that look at toward the north where was the seat of the image of jealousy which provokes to jealousy so there was an image mm-hmm. of jealousy an idolatrous wow. image on this door mm-hmm. and this is where they were weeping for Tammuz mm-hmm. and i believe that that image was the image of the woman with a child
3: mm-hmm.
1: which had infiltrated the, the Solomon's temple mm-hmm. and Lent is a way that pagan practices infiltrate a so called Christian church. And and another thing, just think about this. Lent is forty days before what what religious holiday? Easter. 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 Yeah. And what is the what is Easter? I is Easter, Easter Easter in its name? Just yeah. just the name.
0: Yeah.
1: Is it about Jesus or is it about Mary?
0: Istar, yeah. So it's about why?
1: it's about uh-huh. Mary, yeah. and it's about eggs, which is about fertility, fertility. you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. so it's all it's as a it's a it's a forms of paganism. That's yeah. why we don't like that word Easter. Mm-hmm. We don't yeah. use it at least in our church. And so I did write a blog about this, if, and I just kind of summarized it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was, actually didn't summarize it. I don't know. <laughs> but but uh, it's on our website at yeah. hbcnyc.org,
3: yeah.
1: and it's a blog that I, that I entitled Why We Don't Observe Lent. And I'll just say this to summarize. If a true believer practices Lent, they give credence to a works-based ritual that has its roots in ancient pagan practices. Mm. So why would a true Christian want to do do that? Mm-hmm. Why would a true Christian want to give credibility to a works based ritual that gives credibility to ancient paganism? Mm. We have believed on Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law. Galatians chapter two, verse sixteen.
0: Yeah. Okay. Amen, Pastor, I the reason I asked also is because I got an email from a friend and he had sent me, uh, he goes to a church of a different denomination. They're certainly Christians. They certainly love Jesus. But he was tasked with writing a lent devotional for his church and so he sent it to me and he was like oh you know here's this lent devotional i i i wrote and you know if you if you have any feedback you know definitely let me know and you know for me i think i come from the church that i went to before in new york city you know there was a certain amount of liturgy you know mm-hmm. there you would you would uh recite the apostles creed you would do certain things and for me I sort of recoil a little bit when it comes to liturgy and these sort of like traditions of the church. Um, and I did know that there was some roots in paganism, but I had never looked into Lent specifically like that. So I really appreciate that. Answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And
1: and Ishtar, by the way, is is where we get our word Easter from. And mm-hmm. it's the woman with the son, you know, Ishtar. You yeah. Know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not Christian. Mm-hmm. Resurrection Day is about Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. Why do we? why do we want to cover up the truth of the resurrection with pagan terminology mm-hmm. uh, and it, you know so i and and i have friends actually other you know in churches that i love and yeah. i respect that mm-hmm. use the the word easter you know yeah. i just don't like it
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. okay
2: okay thanks pastor so different we're going to go in a different direction pastor um we live in this diversity a lot of different churches is speaking in tongues essential to being filled with the Holy Spirit and our tongues being spoken today in the same way as they were in the New Testament times?
1: Oh, I get to make more friends. (laughs)
3: Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, first of all, let me encourage those of you who need prayer to call right now at 929-333-3739. Because maybe you're just going through something and you don't need to know the answer to that question. <laughs> or, but it's actually a very important question. You know, talking about tongue speaking, I found when we moved into the city in the early 80s, this was a really, I mean, this question was, I dealt with it a lot. Okay, But it seems like it's become less important over time. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. But to answer the question, the first part of the question is, is tongue speaking essential to be filled with the Holy Spirit? The answer is no. The second part of the question is, are tongues being spoken today in the same way that they were in New Testament times? The answer is no. Okay, <laughs> well, so, so that answers the question. But the reason I say no to both of these questions, Dr. Hahn, is that, okay, the signature doctrine of the Pentecostal charismatic movement mm. is that tongue speaking is the evidence mm-hmm. of being filled with the Spirit.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So... That's what Pentecostals believe, and that's why we're not a Pentecostal church, because I do not believe the Bible teaches that you must speak in tongues Mm -hmm. in order to demonstrate that you have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And there's a very simple verse that really just shoots that down entirely Mm -hmm. in 1 Corinthians and chapter number 12, when Paul is, is asking, does everyone do this and does everyone do that? And... He says in verse number 29 of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, um, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing. And what's the the answer to all these? No, No, right? I mean, that's the answer. Do all have the, the gifts of healing? So to say that... You you have to heal in order to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit. No. I mean, who would teach that? Nobody yeah. would teach that. Mm. But it says, do all speak with tongues? But some actually then take that and say, you have to speak in tongues to be full with the Spirit. When the the clear answer to that question is yeah. no. Is no. So here... Mm. And here's the thing. Here's my understanding about spiritual gifts. Mm. No single gift is given to every member of the church. Mm. Because if every... If every member of the church had the same gift, which is what really Pentecostalism demands mm-hmm. of its members mm-hmm. to speak in tongues to demonstrate the fullness of the Holy Spirit, then all the body would be like what? What did Paul say? If if everybody had the same spiritual gift, the whole body would be... The same member. Yeah, it would be yeah. like an eye. It would yeah. be like... Now, if an eye... tongue Or a tongue. If an eye starts rolling down the street toward you... <laughs> What are you going to do? You're <laughs> like run, you know? But but that's what a church is like where everybody's doing the same same thing. Same mm-hmm. thing. It's it's frightening and it's mm-hmm. grotesque, you know, it's not there's no balance to it. So no single gift is given to every member. There's diversity in the body. Mm-hmm. You know, eyes in proportion are beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Then I can, we can also say no single Christian receives every gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I know I'm getting off the answer a little bit, but no no Christian is going to say I have every gift. Because if, if a Christian could do everything,
0: yeah. he wouldn't want. Need to be a member of the body. Yeah. <laughs> he, wouldn't
3: need, <laughs> yeah.
1: he wouldn't need anybody else. He's mm-hmm. like, I I'm good, man. Just leave me alone. I'm yeah. the church, you know. Yeah. So so that that's the first part. The second part, and I'll just say this a little quicker, I think, but the second part of your question is are tongues speaking are tongues being spoken in the same way that they were in New Testament times? And I, I think here the answers in First Corinthians chapter 14, mm-hmm. Dr. Hahn. And what was going on in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10 when Peter went to Cornelius, Acts chapter 19 when Paul was in Ephesus, those are the three clear examples of tongue speaking in the book of Acts, is actual languages were being spoken. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm.
1: Now, Paul or the, the translators put the word unknown tongues mm-hmm. in, our, in the King James text, unknown to the person speaking mm. but it was an actual language mm-hmm. so and i think the word tongue even like throws people off like an unknown tongue like what's a tongue mm-hmm. but a tongue is a
3: language, language. Uh-huh.
1: that's all it is it's a language yes. yeah. but it was unknown to the person speaking it but it was miraculously given a person was miraculously given that ability to speak a language that they that they had never studied mm-hmm. that makes it a miracle yeah. yes. okay mm-hmm. so it's not babbling it's not putting few non syllabic Uh, syllables together Mm -hmm. and then just repeating them over and over twirling around and going into a dervish and and falling on the on the ground Mm -hmm. you know in in some kind of an emotional experience Mm -hmm. but as far as tongues why i would say it's not being spoken of today in first corinthians 14 Mm -hmm. he says in verse 21 with men of other tongues and other lips while i speak unto this people yet for all that they will not hear me saith the lord That this people there is Israel, if you go back to the law, and it was a sign of judgment that was coming. Israel was going to hear the languages of invading nations in the book of Deuteronomy, in the law of chapter 28. And that was a sign that, that they had been in sin. So tongues was really a sign of a coming judgment. Israel had rejected Christ. They had rejected the Holy Spirit, and God was sending Israel a judgment, which he did in A.D. 70. And the temple was destroyed to this day. Temple worship has not been revived there in Mm -hmm. Jerusalem. So tongues was assigned to Israel. Each time tongues was spoken, Acts 2, 10, 19, Jewish people were present. Tongues was assigned to unbelieving Israel. Tongues was an actual language. And if you go down in the text, and this is so simple here, in verse 27. Micah, could you read um, verse 27 and 28?
0: If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, uh, sorry, or at the most by three, and that, of course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God.
1: Okay, so if a person speaks in this language, how many were to speak?
0: Two or maybe three.
1: Okay, now, in many Pentecostal churches, Mm -hmm. how many people are speaking in tongues at once? Many. Many, so Mm -hmm. that says two or three. Right. Then it says... And that by course. so what does that mean? That means... In order. Yeah, one yeah. and one at a time. At a time. It's yeah. like when somebody gives them a sermon, there's not somebody else preaching at the same right. time. Right. I mean, it's in order. So how many times have, in charismatic-speaking churches, have people just speaking in tongues all at the same time, like everybody worshiping, so to speak, speaking in an emotional frenzy, right? And yeah,
2: all the time. That, <laughs> all that, at once.
1: Yeah, all, all at once. So that goes against that, mm-hmm. clearly. Mm-hmm. And then it says... Let one interpret mm-hmm. so one person has to interpret mm-hmm. the the how many people have spoken in tongues all at the same time, and it wasn't interpreted right so that breaks that, mm-hmm. and then it says, if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent yeah and 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 then all of the tongue speaking in this chapter it's not about somebody's- per- personal private prayer life mm-hmm. it says. Let him keep silence in the church. Mm-hmm. And if there's no interpreter, let him just talk to himself, mm-hmm. not talk out loud at all. Mm-hmm. So it's not talking about private tongues. It's talking about public right. speakings. Mm-hmm. And so what's going on today is not what was going on in the
0: yeah. New Testament. And, Pastor, if we go to verse 23 above that, it describes you know what I've experienced when I've been in churches like this. It says, If therefore the whole church be come together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? So in other words, there is a certain chaotic element. Uh, I'm not going to say in every Pentecostal church, but certainly in some that I've been to. There is this chaos where if you didn't know anything about the Bible and anything about church and you walked in, you'd be like, this is crazy. And so I think, you know, when I was thinking about this question, too, I would point to the same, you know, in first Corinthians 14, where if if they're not doing it specifically according to what Paul lays out here, then they're doing it unbiblically. And I can tell you, I've never seen it done in this way. So mm-hmm. if, if you have questions about it and you go to a church where they're speaking in tongues, ask yourself, are they doing it exactly as Paul laid out? And if they're not, that's actually all the answer you need as far as it's unbiblical. Mm-hmm.
1: And there's no gift of putting together non-syllabic sounds. You know I mean? Anybody could put together syllables, hola, gola, wima, mm-hmm. okay? And then say that over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then like Joyce Meyer says, add a few more. Mm-hmm. Uh, to it and there's nothing there's nothing miraculous at all about that mm-hmm. it, it's just anybody could do it and it's actually pagan practice and Jesus said not to um, what he, he said in in Matthew chapter 6 not to give yourself over to, and I'm getting um, vain repetitions. Matthew chapter six verse seven. When you pray, use not that. That would be vain repetition mm-hmm. because it would not mean anything mm-hmm. to me or anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know. And I, I read a book years ago. I forget what book it was, but it was it was there was two two guys and they were at a charismatic uh, school, and there was they would speak in tongues at the chapel mm-hmm. uh, program, mm-hmm. and one guy said, you know, I'm gonna you know, I don't know if this is going on because the interpretation, whatever anybody says, it's like the same interpretation every day. It's like, oh, the Lord is going to come back and be ready to meet God. You know, kind of like a basic. Okay. So, uh, do, do you, and one guy said to his buddy, do you know another language? He said, like, yeah, I know uh, like Yiddish or something. Okay. He says, okay. So, uh, so, I'm going to go in tomorrow and into the chapel and I'm going to stand up and say Psalm 23 in Yiddish. Okay. And I'm going to see if they interpret mm. when I say Psalm 23 in Yiddish. Are they going to actually say... Wow. Psalm twenty three. So okay. that's what they did, yeah. and it was like, oh, the Lord is going to come back, be oh, ready, no. to make God. Oh, wow. You know, it, you know. So yeah. I mean, it's just an emotional experience. Mm-hmm. I believe that, mm-hmm. and you know what it is as well. Mm-hmm. And I say this in love to our dear Pentecostal friends, because yeah. I I do believe there are many Pentecostal people that do really love the yeah. Lord, mm-hmm. and we disagree on this point, mm-hmm. but. Pentecostals want what we want, and that's New Testament Christianity. Mm-hmm. And they read in the Bible that there was tongue speaking, so they want to do that. And I think that it's, that sometimes we we try to fabricate and counterfeit the the, the truth in order to have what we think is genuine christianity mm. but i believe the fullness of the spirit is evidenced by being a witness for jesus christ acts chapter 1 verse 8 the holy spirit will come upon you and you shall be witnesses that's what happened in acts 2 on pentecost mm-hmm. that's what happened in acts 10 when paul peter went to cornelius that's what happened in, in acts 19 when paul went to Ephesus. Mm-hmm. is that the gospel was being preached yeah you Amen. know and that they were being witnesses for jesus christ mm-hmm. and that should be our desire
0: good good yeah. okay we might have one i think think time just for one more question um okay so pastor in acts chapter 18 it says that aquila and priscilla taught apollos So the question is, what did they teach him? And I'll I'll just go ahead and read these verses. So Acts chapter 18, 24 through 26. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scripture, came to Ephesus. And this man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, Whom, when Aquila and Priscilla had learned, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So the question is, what did Priscilla and Aquila teach Apollos?
1: Yeah, so it says here that he was instructed in the way of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And he taught diligently the things of the Lord. And I'm not sure... Who the Lord is there, whether it's talking about Jesus or just talking about God in general. Mm -hmm. It could be Jesus. He could have known about Jesus. But it says he knew only the baptism of John, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting because John baptized with and then his baptism was to set people to look for the coming of Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. And John wasn't really sure That Jesus was the Lord. Remember, even when he was in prison, he was like, are you the one who should come? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So the whole point of the baptism of John was that the coming of the Lord was right at the doorstep Mm -hmm. and be prepared and repent Uh to look for the true Messiah. Mm -hmm. So apollos was instructed and fervent my understanding this is my understanding in the old testament scripture he saw in those scriptures the coming of the lord Mm -hmm. and 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 now i will say this about john and john was ahead of his time that he believed that the lord would be a sacrifice for the sins of the world Mm -hmm. which the jewish people of his day did not believe that right Mm -hmm. but he he said behold the lamb of god Mm -hmm. who takes away the The sin the the sin of the world so so, Apollos was looking for a Messiah who would be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. So, maybe he didn't fully understand the gospel and all that happened. And so, he was baptizing people still not fully understanding that the Messiah had, had actually come. come mm-hmm. And that the Holy Spirit had come. Yes, mm-hmm. And he definitely didn't know about what happened on Pentecost. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. And so... He needed to be instructed that Jesus was the Messiah. He died on the cross. He rose again. And the Holy Spirit of God came in power on Pentecost. And that we don't need to look for the Lord to come yeah. because he's already come. Mm. And then when we get baptized, we get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we can have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives now.
0: Amen. What a Amen. great note to end on, Pastor. The Lord Jesus came. He died on the cross. And he rose again for us. And each one of us can accept him because we have that free will.
3: Amen.
1: Well, thanks for having me here tonight to answer a
3: few questions. (laughs) Uh,
1: I hope that was enlightening, and uh, we want to edify. We want to encourage. God bless you all.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.